It's the Atop the Pitbox podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Good evening, fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome to the Atop the Pitbox podcast presented by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. In this episode, we are going to talk about the chaos that ensued at Darlington this past weekend and look ahead to this weekend's playoff race at the Kansas Speedway. Josh, how's your night going? It's going good, Zach. We uh, we have playoff NASCAR to recap, and uh, we're one step, one week closer to Bristol. So how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing good, man. Like you said, Bristol is right around the corner. It's going to be here before you know it. Cannot wait to go see that race live and in person. So we've talked about what we're going to do, and we'll, we'll probably record a podcast as as we, uh, you know, drive to and from the track or, you know, at the track. So it's going to be, we'll kind of wing that, but we've talked about putting out some some kind of content for everybody just to kind of give them a, a view of, of what we're seeing down there in Bristol and the Bristol trip. So hopefully we'll have something good for you there. Before we get too far into this, just want to uh, stop and say thank you. Uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. We appreciate your support. And uh, again, five-star review is the easiest way to allow people to find us. November 6th at the West Side in Harlan, we will do our year-end celebration, our first ever. So looking forward to that. We'll have shirts uh, for sale and, and other giveaways uh, at, at that uh, meetup on November 6th. And as I just mentioned, T-shirts. We, they are for sale, $20. We do have uh, a bunch of sizes. We have more sizes, double XL and XL coming. So if uh, that's your size, we got you covered. They're coming soon. So uh, be on the lookout for those shirts. And uh, atopthepitbox.com is the site to refer anybody to that wants to sign up to get notified when we open this up for next year. So that's enough of that, Zach. Let's get into free agency news. What do you got? Yeah, we got two items this week. Uh, the first item, Austin Dillon's crew chief uh, decided that he is stepping down at the end of the year. It sounds like it is his choice. So this is the second crew chief in, in the past, call it three weeks, that has decided that he uh, or they want to spend more time at home with their family and are stepping aside from their crew chief duties in NASCAR. So it sounds like Austin Dillon's crew chief couldn't take the heat of your criticism, uh, just couldn't be the crew chief of a terrible driver like that and just had to call it quit. So how do you feel about you know taking that man's job, making him quit? Well, I wasn't going to take credit for it, but uh, you know what? It's I'll go clear. I'll go ahead and say it was because of me, and uh, I'm glad that he chose to go spend some more time with his family rather than me, a crew chief for one of the worst drivers in NASCAR. So good for him on that. But no, again, the rigors in NASCAR, 36 weeks on the road, away from your family. And then like I, I pointed out last week, these guys work the entire offseason just trying to get these cars better. And there's a lot that goes into the first week at Daytona since it's a Super Bowl in NASCAR. So uh, I'm not surprised that you're starting to see a lot more of this or a lot younger crew chiefs step aside uh, in NASCAR. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate, but these guys got to do, you know, what they got to do, especially when you have young kids at home 
because uh, the kids don't stay young for very long. So for sure. Uh, again, kudos to him. We'll see. We'll see if they can end the year on a high note. Maybe get past this first round. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> the second second item, uh, Kyle Busch. So we've talked about this a lot this year. Even you know the commentators uh, on the broadcast on Sunday night were still just completely shocked that it has got to this point with Kyle Busch probably being the biggest free agent maybe you could say in NASCAR history. I mean, that is the level of talent he has, and you just don't see these drivers hit the free agent uh, market very often. So with all that being said, he says he's got multiple contract offers in front of him in writing, on paper, and he's deciding what he wants to do for his future. He said a decision would would hopefully be made in the next one to three weeks, call it, because there's a lot of moving parts in this. And he said an announcement would have already been made if he didn't have his truck team to worry about as well. His truck team, Kyle Kyle Busch Motorsports, is also Toyota-affiliated. And so it's not just Kyle Busch and where he drives in the Cup Series. It's also what does he do with his truck team in regards to the alliance with manufacturers and all that fun stuff. So there's a lot more involved than, than what it, you know, first appears. Who, if you had to make a guess, where's he going? Let's pick, let's, let's try and and predict (sighs) at this point, it could be anywhere. So let's, let's each pick a spot and uh, see where you got, see who's right. So I'm going to make two picks here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm going to narrow it down to two, okay? Because I, okay. I think I think he's got offers from Richard Childress Racing. I think Colleg Racing is involved. He said he has an offer from Joe Gibbs. I'm guessing it's a really low ball offer, so that's why he hasn't just decided to stay with them. And the wild card, to me, is 2311 Racing. For some reason, my gut tells me with – Kurt Busch and his concussion and his health issues. I could see Kurt Busch hanging it up after this year and Kyle Busch sliding over and driving that car until Tyler Reddick takes it over in in 2024. It's a wild card. That's my guess. If I had to choose today, I'm going to say I'm going to go completely out of left field and say he's going to race for 2311 next year. What what is your prediction? Well, you just absolutely Stole my thunder. Nice. <laughs> nice. That, was, that couldn't have been worse for me. So I was going to say 2311. Uh, I I was going to go with the relationship that Kurt Busch has built with Michael Jordan and, and Hamlin, kind of bridging that gap and saying, hey, you know, my brother can be a team player and, and kind of maybe squash some animosity or, or concerns with how he will be on the team. Because uh, we've talked about in the past, Hamlin is trying to build a team, a winning team, doing it the right way. And he, I think he just wants to make sure that anybody that's on his team is doing it the right way. And Kurt Busch could kind of help alleviate some of those concerns. The other piece that I was thinking of is you just mentioned he's the the maybe ever the highest free agent or the biggest name that's a free agent. And I think about who the other owner is and Michael Jordan. And he's probably thinking, 
I don't know what experience he has in NASCAR, but he's probably thinking, I don't really care what it takes. We're going to get this championship guy two championships. We're going to get him on our team and we're going to pay and figure this out later. And at this point, so I, I think it makes a lot of sense to 2311, but it's going to be, be pretty interesting to see what, what happens. So again, that's my complete guess out of left field. I'm glad I'm not crazy. You also believe that that's a good one, a strong possibility. If I were to have to choose somebody else, I think Collig Racing, Matt Collig is just waiting in the weeds, just lurking in the weeds, just waiting for this to uh, kind of keep keep being delayed. And I could see him sw- swooping Kyle Busch up and, and creating a second team uh, in NASCAR. He already has you know the full time team with Justin Haley, and he's wanting to go full time racing with a second Cup team. And what better way? to create a second team for what's considered kind of a young and upcoming NASCAR team to throw Kyle Busch, who again is arguably one of the greatest NASCAR drivers of all time, still in his prime, throw him in that organization and see how much better he can elevate that team moving forward. So that would be another, another owner that I can think of that would probably have a really strong chance of signing Kyle Busch today. And I think we got to agree that the one team that's he's not going to is Joe Gibbs, which is is crazy. I mean, I I don't see there's any way he goes back there at this point. Do you? It's really hard to read because to me, I mean, he's throwing out this manufacturer talk and, and his truck team. If it's a Toyota based team, he wouldn't maybe be having those those thoughts or those conversations. So that's why maybe my hesitation against any Toyota affiliated team based on his comments, but which would be 2311, right? 2311 has got Toyota backing as well. So that's why I just, man, it just right now it's completely up in the air. I could see him going to, you know, three or four teams right now. Joe Gibbs racing has a contract offer to him, but I think it's almost like that, that bridge has been burned from Kyle's standpoint to Joe Gibbs. Like he is pissed at Joe Gibbs. <laughs> Wouldn't for, you be? For, I would be too. I, I completely agree that it has gone this far. Joe Gibbs is loaded as an owner. Why couldn't you just put something together for him? So that's my, I, I think Joe Gibbs wants, probably wants to have him back at a discounted rate. But I think it's gotten to the point now where Kyle Busch is almost giving the middle finger to Joe Gibbs racing, saying, I'm going somewhere else, and I'm going to prove to you guys what a mistake that is. Yeah, he, he's going to be pissed off next year when he's racing for 2311. I, I, I hope so. I think it would be awesome. I think it would be awesome. So let's talk about the first playoff race, the opener, Darlington. What were your what were your initial thoughts on on the race? I thought it was a fantastic race. Obviously, with it being the first race of the uh, of the playoffs, the anticipation, the excitement, they did a great job on on the broadcast, you know, kind of setting the stage and and getting everyone ready for what was to happen. Uh, I can't believe the number of playoff drivers that had issues at Darlington. Uh, the track was fast. 
it this might have been the long one of the longest races this year because the first Darlington race was I think 400 miles. This was 500 yeah. miles, so uh, the cars had to go another hundred miles. And as we saw during the race, I mean that extra hundred miles was a, a lot to ask for on the engines, on on just the body parts themselves. So from a from a first glance, I thought the race was fantastic. It was one of my favorite races this year. Backs up how much I enjoyed the first Darlington race. I thought Darlington as a whole is just, it was a really fun race to watch. What, what about you? I agree. I thought it was a really good race. I found myself in a position where I wasn't really sure about how to, how to respond because I was sitting here watching my driver who has been at the top for almost every single race not be in it and finish dead last and and have a driver error that cost it just destroyed his car so i was like i kept looking at the standings where's chase elliott where's chase elliott so it was a little odd for me uh not seeing him in there but the racing was great the it, it the playoff just has a, a different atmosphere just you know playoff sports in general is just there's a little bit more to it and the first race on, on these new cars and, and going back to Darlington, it was, I, I thoroughly enjoyed, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I agree hundred percent, hundred percent. And the, uh, I mean, if you want to jump right in to the poll, you want to talk about the poll here, Jeff Lux poll backs up our thinking. Uh, it is the number one race this season with a 93.5%. Now that makes sense voters saying yes so when i saw that i'm like all right i can i can get behind that poll the Watkins Glen poll that's a joke i don't agree with that at all but i can get behind this one so so we actually had a, a race that you you actually had some positive things to say about there's been a couple this year man so <laughs> it's, uh, it's, i know they've been a, you've been a very hard critic of these of these uh races far this between year. yeah i have <laughs> i have been and rightfully so but well, <laughs> darlington is one is a track that I think is entertaining from a fan standpoint and you know it puts the the onus on the drivers to not make a mistake like you pointed out Chase Elliott made a mistake Man, really mistakes. early on and we had some mistakes made tonight or let that or was, we had a mistake that night exactly and he wasn't the only one that made mistakes so I just again I thought it was a really good race so Chase Elliott just loses his car in the turn and and destroys it they go on the clock can't get it fixed it was a disaster start for him his his lead his great season basically wiped away in one in one start which is just it just shows how important these races are and then we had his his uh teammate kyle larson with the engine issues he goes three laps down and i will say i was i was talking to norton today about it's just amazing how good of a race car driver Kyle Larson is. I mean, he got so he got some fortunate uh, cautions and and but to get those three laps back and to get back on the lead lap and have a chance to finish the race after that start was was pretty impressive. Yeah, and if you think back, the the first Arlington race this year, he left the race early with a blown engine. And so when I was watching the race and he, he's came over the radio saying he thinks he's blowing up, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. The second time in a row at this track that he's has, you know, having engine issues, they were able to 
they still haven't come out and said what it was, but like you pointed out, he went three laps down, caught some timely cautions, was able to get he back was diagnosing on the, lead lap the problem and, as he was going 200 miles an hour. Around yeah, the- he was reading the error codes <laughs> on his dash, which is just crazy. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, he came back, he finished in the top 15, which, like you said, it just shows you how good that race team is, one, but how good a race car driver he is, too. And I mean, if you want to look at Hendrick Motorsports as a whole, Elliott had a bad day. Larson had ghost engine issues. Willie Byron basically had the same issue as Kyle Larson. And luckily he stayed out and was still able to finish the race and everything like that. But he basically was complaining about the cha- the tune of the engine changing and, and it sounds like it's blowing up. So that's two out of the four engines at Hendrick that, that had issues. So hopefully they can get that figured out. ASAP because that'd be real unfortunate if a if a mechanical failure basically keeps these guys out of going to the next round, especially with how strong of seasons they've had. So you want to talk about mechanical failure? You want to should we talk about the biggest one of the night? So well, so let, let's touch base on Harvick. So Harvick, that's what I'm talking with, about. <laughs> okay, so with with however many laps to go, it wasn't very many, maybe 50, 60, 70 laps to go. Kevin Harvick's car catches on fire. And I'm not talking just a little <laughs> fire. This thing was full-blown engulfed in flames. He was able to get out. But what I thought was the most interesting is he did not hold back <laughs> what his not. thoughts were uh, and his opinion was to NASCAR. He, he just destroyed NASCAR about the safety issues, the concerns about these cars. They're not making any changes. And then obviously this is, uh, I I would say there's probably been five to eight cars this year that have caught fire for whatever reason. And this unfortunately is the biggest fire to this date that I can think of. And what's the biggest one untimely fire for Kevin Harvick because he is, he was mechanically methodically working his way up to the top 10. He was getting his car right where he needed it to be. He was, you know, he's a fighter. He's a Clar. He started the race, not great, but he was there racing in the top 10, top 15. And all of a sudden his car caught on fire and that ended his day. And now he is the last place driver right now in the playoff standing. So he had every right to be angry at NASCAR. NASCAR's director came out today uh, and, and said that basically what Kevin Harvick said is not true. NASCAR does care about the drivers. They are employing every resource they have to figure out what happened and, and hopefully it will prevent it. But again, he's not going to get his points back. He's not going to be able to redo Darlington. So unfortunately, it was just a really bad timing incident for that to happen. You hate to you hate to have the playoffs or anything out of the driver's control. You know, there's going to be th- random things where you know other cars crash or the weather you know plays a factor. You don't want to be just driving your car and have to worry about it bursting into flames like that. I would have been very pissed, and he actually was calmer than I actually thought he would be, uh, because that is—it's just a—it's just cannot happen in the playoffs. I agree, one hundred percent. And like you said, I probably would have been throwing out a lot of cuss words. <laughs> yeah, I, he, he, would. he said one cuss word, and, and I would have said a heck of a lot more <laughs> in that in that interview. So, 
the other drivers that had issues, one, one's in the playoff. Well, Austin Dillon had a bad day. Surprise, surprise. I'm not surprised by that. I can't believe it took this long to bring it up. <laughs> well, you know, you, you save the worst for last or something like that. <laughs> gotcha. But no, um, my boy, Martin Truex Jr., dominant car. His was a long run car. After about lap 2025, 20, his car was a rocket ship. That race, in my opinion, was his to lose. And unfortunately, he ran over a piece of debris. It cut some lines. He lost his power steering, and then his temps went through the roof. And uh, unfortunately, he had to he had to bow out and go behind the wall. So, uh, just another heartbreak for Martin Truex Jr. Another fast, fast car. And again, some something that's completely out of his control. It's out of the team's control. He ran over something on the track, what led to his issues. So that was unfortunate to see. But that I just sums the, up his. That just sums up his year, though. Really yeah. fast car, can't finish. Not there at the end. I he's, guess he's got to be ready for 2020, 2023 to His get interview here. was pretty rough to watch, man. He he's about had enough. Yeah, yeah, he that was about as emotional as you will ever see Martin Truex Jr. get. So, uh, again, my favorite driver, I thought he had that race won. It just sucks, sucks seeing how fast that car was. And everyone said on the track, everyone was on the radio saying, whatever 19 has in his car, give me some of that because he <laughs> is the fastest car out here. And it was his race to lose, and unfortunately he had an issue. But to me... The biggest heartbreaker of the night, Kyle Busch led the most laps. I think he led like 155 laps. Um, dominant car. I would say I would say Truex was the was the best car, and Kyle Busch was second in my opinion. Uh, leading the race, 20 laps to go under caution, and all of a sudden smoke starts coming out the tailpipes, and he was blown up. He blew up. His interview, again, he, he's the last three to five weeks, mm. he has really, really done a, a nice job of just calm, cool, collected, not being a whiny, you know, crybaby, but basically just said, you know what, my guys busted their tails. We put a fast car out there. We dominated this race, led the most laps, and something out of our control is what ended up ended our night. And unfortunately... Uh, he took a big hit in the points, just like a lot of these playoff drivers did as well. Wasn't there some rumor or comments that he missed a gear and it was his fault that they, they blew the engine? Was there any truth to that? That ever come out? I have not seen or heard anything about him missing a shift, uh, which caused the engine. That would I think make, it was just I people mean, questioning or it, it, right after it happened, so I, I guess I never really... Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything like that. I, you know, it has happened this year where if you do miss a shift, you're going to have transmission issues. I don't know if it leads to, a. I guess if, if you over rev the engine, yeah, that would, that would lead to a blown engine, but I can't verify that or, or validate that. But again, so, yeah, just an unfortunate just a fluke thing. And yeah, that's fortunate case for <laughs> Kyle Busch. I mean, he had that win all but wrapped up with 20 laps to go and, uh, he would have been, you know, a win guarantees you make the next round. And unfortunately, now he's going to be clawing just to stay above the above the cut line for for the next two races. So the last two drivers that we talked about had had mechanical issues. And we, we brought up, 
uh, we brought up Harvick's issues with the it, the way that the car's built and the safety concerns. So I did see Jeff Gluck tweet something out that was pretty interesting, which was in the past these teams were in charge of their own cars, and now because of the next gen car, they're really restricted to what they can do, and they're they're kind of at the mercy of of NASCAR to change these these parts. So as a team, is there are you just at the mercy of of luck at that point or is there anything that these teams can do to to fix some of these issues that they're seeing well it's it's exactly what kevin harvick said i mean these teams are completely at the mercy of nascar and these single source vendors is what they call them a lot of these parts come from the same vendor so if you start having issues unfortunately that's going to leak into other issues uh, or, or all the parts per se, whereas in the past, these teams got to choose what vendor they wanted to work with, who they had relationships with, and things like that. With this next-gen car, NASCAR's trying to you know level the playing field, cut the cost so that these guys can afford to keep racing. I understand the business logic, but again, when you start having issues like cars catching on fire... and <laughs> have a big deal. And, you know... Chase Elliott, any most normal years, you hit a wall like he did. Yeah, you're going to have body issue you know, or damage, but it's not going to break the suspension like it did. These suspensions are so fragile, and we've seen that all year with the tow links. These tow links yeah. just break super easy. So I'm a tow link expert now because they always show that that breakaway, breakaway car. car. <laughs> yeah, I'm like and you, every race they're talking about the broke. I'm like, I know, I I got you. <laughs> yep. So unfortunately, <laughs> though, to, to your to your question, these guys I think are literally at the mercy of just luck right now. There's there's nine races to go. NASCAR is not going to be able to make any wide sweeping changes in the next week or two, since most of these cars are already built and they've already got the cars ready for the next nine races. So hopefully, mechanical issues don't cost the driver advancing in the playoffs it should or cost them at phoenix for the win in the final four because that i mean what that what a heartbreaking way to end the season you imagine you're you're you have some kind of defect on your car that costs you the win when you're up 20 you're 20 laps to go and you're cruising to the win at phoenix and oh man i it can't happen i that would be that'd be a damn shame so I think I would, uh, if, if that were to happen to me as a driver, I'd go scorched earth, go NASCAR 99 and just start, just go back out there and try to wreck every playoff <laughs> driver in the final four. Like if I can't win, I'm taking all of you guys out. <laughs> that would be, that would be good TV ratings for sure. I would, yeah. I would tune in for that. So whoever, if they do that, they might not have a job, but hey. it'd be one <laughs> hell of a way to go out. That's that's right. That'd be like the uh, the Antonio Brown version. Antonio, yeah, <laughs> he took, took off his jersey. It just <laughs> it just left in the middle. So that we're we're thirty minutes wild. into this, and I guess we should probably bring up the fact that uh, Eric Jones won this race. So he's not a playoff driver. We get our 17th winner of the year, which 17th different winner, which is just crazy. It's a record, it's a record yeah. at this and point. So what did you think about Eric Jones pulling off this win? So those last 20 laps were exciting. You know, Eric Jones got mm. the lead there on the restart. Danny Hamlin looked like he might he have was, He was hunting him car. down. And the, the interview was hilarious because to me it's – 
you could see Danny Hamlin just go so hard into the corner and then just slam on his brakes. And I'm like, God, it, to me, it looked like he was trying to get to his bumper and wreck him. But he came out at the end of the race. He's like, I was, I was not going to touch Eric Jones. He's raced me clean forever. They used to be teammates at Joe Gibbs Racing. So he basically said I was going to try to pass him clean. And unfortunately, it, it just wasn't possible with with uh, how the cars were and, and Darlington being the racetrack. So I was super pumped to see Eric Jones win just because I think he got the shaft uh, when he, when basically Joe Gibbs racing didn't renew his contract and Eric Jones had to go to, to petty motorsports and try to rejuvenate his career that way. So that was fun to see. He beat Denny Hamlin, an old teammate, Joe Gibbs racing. So there's a bittersweet storyline there. And my and then and your pick. pick. I didn't want to get a pie in the face. So that was, <laughs> it was nice. So close the second and, time uh, this year. Richard Petty Motorsports, now called Petty GMS, had not won a race since Daytona of 2014. Whoa. It has been a very long time since Petty was back into victory lane. So I was super, super pumped with NASCAR nostalgia, Petty. Darlington, one of the oldest tracks on the circuit. I I thought it was fantastic. What are your thoughts? I mean, obviously, I wanted to see Hamlin pull off the the victory. You know, he's my champion, my pick of the week. So it would have been a great start. And uh, I really wanted to get a pie <laughs> in your face, but it it didn't happen. It, it didn't happen. And we'll we'll try again this week. So Larson finished 12th, though, so pretty good, pretty good finish for for Larson. Not really a factor to win it at all. Uh, so not, I wasn't really concerned about about the pie in the face. So, any final thoughts on Darlington, or should we move to the fantasy? No, I I, I think it was a really really good race and a great start to the playoffs from an entertainment standpoint. Obviously, you've got some playoff drivers now in a hole, which is just going to make Kansas and then. We can't. I can't emphasize this enough. Bristol, <laughs> the cutoff race. We're going to it. There's going to be a lot of drivers that are out to basically save their season and try to get to the next round of the playoffs. And, and I just cannot wait for that race. I'm already losing sleep. We're ten days away. I, I, I I'm like, all right, nine more sleeps. I'm like a kid before Christmas. <laughs> nine more sleeps, and we get to go. There you go. All right, so fantasy. The team average for last week was 85. However, when we look at the playoff drivers or the playoff teams, that score jumps to 99. So the top 24 had a pretty rough go at it. Uh, We had a high of 126 points with Dan Grable, number one, and Dennis Musich, who was a playoff team. And the low is Anthony Laferber with 39 points. And I think this is the first time we have mentioned Anthony's name here on the podcast. He'd been down there on that second page of the of the standings, but uh, a really good week at 39 points. We're going to do the biggest risers and fallers this week and this is straight playoff teams I'm trying to keep this to the, you know, playoff uh, related. So the top risers in the playoffs this week Brian Brockman went from P24 to P5. Heck of a jump for Brian. Wow. T. Nort, Tracy Norton, 
who at one point I think he said he was done, not going to do this next year. And look at, look at, he's up to P2. Tracy Norton, number one, P2. <laughs> he's back. He's better than ever. And he's probably and he's coming put, on the podcast. He's putting five teams in for next year. I'm just calling it now. He's going to come uh, on the, the podcast. That would be great. Let's get him on. And uh, let's go. Third, the third hot or the third biggest riser of the week, Adam Studer, <laughs> number two, went from P17 to P6. Uh, you look at their teams, and I, you know, Harvick is there, Kyle Bush is there, Truex is there, but then you've got Eric Jones, Logano, Reddick, Bell, Bowman, guys that had really, really good weeks to offset their one or two drivers that had uh, unfortunate finishes and high high points uh, out of Darlington. The biggest playoff fallers of the week, Dennis Musich went from P7 to P20. Crazy Dale, number two, went from P5 to P18. And Regan Rolfus went from P12 to P23. Uh, you look at those teams, all three of them had Elliott. Two of them had Truex. Two of them had Chastain. So, Again, when you have two, three drivers that have bad weeks, you're going to take a pretty big fall come points standings. So our playoff rookies, Taylor Schleiss is in P10, Robert Schaefer number one, P13, and Patrick McMeekin in P19. So our top 24, Zach, it, uh, when you look at the, the, the movement of this week, there are some big – there's a lot of change to this one. Uh, the last couple of weeks, the top 10s kind of stayed the same. Not Nothing really exciting, but we do uh, have a lot of movement here. Amy Weiss stays at number one, though. So she had 72 fantasy points and is still our leader. So she has gotten to the top spot and just stayed there, even through this crazy first first round of the playoffs. You mentioned before Tracy Norton up 12 spots, Brian Brockman up 19 spots, Adam Studer up 12 spots. So really big movement into the top six there, which also means we probably had some fallers that fell pretty significantly. You mentioned Crazy Dale down 13 and Dennis Musitz down 12. Overall thoughts on the, on the 24 playoff teams going into the second playoff race. Well, I don't think we're going to see the high points total that we say at Darlington at Kansas. Kansas, you typically don't have a lot of cautions. Uh, It's not a long race compared to Darlington, so I don't think you're going to see any engine trouble. Uh, I just think it's going to be kind of your plain vanilla type race in regards to points. I could see an average being between, say, 40 to 60 points somewhere around there. But uh, with the drivers that had issues and and how popular of picks these drivers, like Chase Elliott, I think he's on a majority of these playoff teams in the top 24. Uh, When he finishes dead last, I mean, that alone is 36 points or whatever it amounted out to be. So you started factoring everything else. You're going to have some major swings in the standings. And you look at it, there's a lot of movers for the positive and a lot of movers for the negative. So it's kind of par for the course with what we, what we witnessed at Darlington this past weekend. And Taylor Schleiss down to P 10. 
I feel bad. He came on the podcast, and his team is, has plummeted down the standings. And I hope we, I think we need to have him on again just to break the curse because I do feel bad that he's, uh, he's now the lowest he's been. I, I don't remember if, if he's ever been out of the top 10 this season. So he's dangerously close to that. But it's only one race. So still two more to go before the cutoff. If the cuts were made today, Dennis Musich, Fast Eddie, Pat Beeson, Reagan Rolfus, and Richard Rainey would be the teams eliminated from the playoffs. So just a reminder, the bottom six teams get eliminated. This time we have a tie, so that's why they were only eliminating five. Um, but the final race of the year at Phoenix, all the points re- reset and the best team wins that race. So just a reminder, you get to the final six, doesn't really matter your points. We're going to reset them and, and have a shootout just like the, the NASCAR playoffs. So that's the goal. Get the top six. So, all right. So now we look at, at Kansas, a, a track that I've been to. Have you been to Kansas, Zach? Nope. Drove by it plenty of times, but I have not been to a race there. Okay. So we'll put that on the list. And, uh, it's it's kind of an interesting interesting track. It's a little it's kind of boring, right? It's kind of a typically a pretty boring race. Yeah, that's I would call it your plain vanilla race. I mean, you're gonna have typically you have long green flag runs. Uh, you're gonna have drivers running the low line. You're gonna have drivers running the high line. So you get a little bit uh, of strategy involved there. Uh, but the long green flag runs, you've got to have a fast car off off the truck or at least. Uh, qualify well to hopefully keep your uh, position up there toward the front. Uh, but like you pointed out, Kansas Speedway, it's called the Hollywood Casino 400. Your Zach's fun facts of the night. So this is the second time we've been to Kansas. So I found three new track. It's a combination of fun facts, track facts. So <laughs> All right. Couple, we're gonna we're gonna switch it up again. We're doing a little mixer of both, but I like it. Kansas Speedway is the youngest speedway in NASCAR. So out of all the tracks that have been built, Kansas is the youngest or newest, however you want to look at it, in NASCAR. So it's not very old. The the fun fact number two, which I did not know this until I found this, so I thought this is really interesting, but there is a road course in the infield at Kansas. So I don't know if you guys saw that when you were there, if you were able to walk down on pit road or anything like that and see it. But if you look at it from an aerial, there is a road course. And I believe the road course is closer to turns three and four on the track. Kind of mirrors pit road and then it comes back to three and four. But it is in the shape of a foam finger with the one you know what i'm talking about the foam finger Wait, one what hold on is this like a a car like what kind of road course are we talking here like for like rc cars i, I no this is for a this There's, is for race cars man i, I do this not is for race cars seeing a foam finger shape yep road course in the middle of, that we were in turns at, at turn four i can't well, you, you I guys can't obviously need to go to see your eye doctor apparently but uh there is a road course i needed to get zach's track facts before i went to the race there you go that that is that is the fun track fact number two of the evening that's a good one 
And the last one, which I thought this was pretty cool, but the pole winner at Kansas Speedway gets a tiny pedal car as the prize for winning the pole. Typically, you don't get anything for being the pole winner, but they hand out these little tiny pedal cars. So to, what's a pedal dri- car? It's a, it's a little metal car that has a seat, and then it's got pedals on the inside. But you, I mean, you see them in parades, like the Shriners. Okay. You know what okay. I'm talking about? Like the Shriners yeah. typically have them. So they hand those out to the to the pole winner. So that is your last fun track fact of the night. Interesting, interesting. So just to go back to what to look for, isn't Kansas turn two? Didn't we have a lot of tire issues in the first race? Was that was that not Kansas? I don't know. I can't. I can't vouch for that. We had a lot of tire issues to start the year, and Kansas was one of the first races. Yeah, left rear tire issues. Left rear tire issues. Okay. At least so, six drivers had tire issues. Chelsea, Chase Elliott had tire. Man. Okay. Well, I did see, I did see that NASCAR decided to bring a new tire or a different compound combination to Kansas this weekend. So maybe they're trying to avoid the same tire issues that plagued them in the spring race. Okay. Good. That's so. They're, there they're you trying. go. There we go. All right. I can't tell you uh, what 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 tire they're bringing or what track it resembles in regards to the tire combination, but they are bringing a new tire to Kansas this weekend to hopefully ward off some tire issues. Uh, we'll see if it works. But when looking at drivers who have fared well at Kansas, Kevin Harvick leads the field with an average finish of 9.1. Your boy Chase Elliott is second at 11.2. Brad Keselowski, he had a really good race at Darlington. We'll see if he can back it up, but he is the third best active driver with a finish of 11.6. And my boy, MTJ, Martin Truex Jr., is fourth with an average finish of 12.5. With that being said, it's time. let's jump into the most important part of the evening, which is the Picks of the race. Let's go. I have put a little bit of thought into this. I'm torn between two drivers, but if I have to choose right right now, I am going to pick Kyle Busch. Wow. He had a rocket ship at Darlington. He's got these contracts contract i guess options to choose from but he needs a very solid performance at kansas to keep himself above the cutoff line he's had some pretty solid runs at kansas in the past toyotas toyotas are really fast at kansas so my pick of the week is going to be kyle bush hmm okay that's a good one (sighs) what you got buddy well, I didn't put much thought into this, and I am going to say – so my, my first thought was to pick Elliot because he's going to come out like a madman. Then I wanted to pick Hamlin because – Because you're a Danny Hamlin homer. Yeah, I am. Harvick I could see coming out and just 
there's so many drivers that need a really I, good I, run at Kansas, yeah, and I, I think I are going to be up there. I mean, and, and all right, I'm going. Second time's a charm. I'm picking Denny Hamlin again, and this time, my champion. I'm gonna just pick him every race. Denny Hamlin is going is my driver. Yep, that's my pick. All right, high pace for Zach. Danny Hamlin's a big eleven on the uh, on the cake on the pie. We're both and, uh, we're both going with Joe Gibbs, uh, uh, Joe Gibbs racer to to win this weekend. So that uh, yeah, that could be interesting. Let's, as let's hope they figured out their engine problems. I mean, Hamlin didn't have that. So well, two be, two be of safe. his teammates did. <laughs> Shoot! All right, man. Well. Good talking to you, and uh, we got a, one more race before we head to Bristol, man, and uh, it's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait. I, don't know if you I can't. Tell. I'm pretty excited. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you've only been talking about it for the last 236 days, or whatever the heck this countdown, countdown started is, at. So yeah, I think it was like it. Oh, it was like 280s. It was in the high high 280s. So well, now it's down to what nine? Oh, t- nine tomorrow. Nine tomorrow. Ten. There you go. Oh. It's, by the time people hear this, it'll be single digits. So it's getting closer by the day. So no, another good podcast, Josh. Have a good night. And you as too, always, the Atop the Pit Box podcast is supported by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. With winter coming up, now is a great time to book a trip to Lake of the Ozarks, and Paradise Executive Properties has you covered. They have several modern and fully furnished homes for up to 19 people. So bring your friends, your family down to the Lake of the Ozarks to create a memory that will last a lifetime. For more information or to book your reservation, visit ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. It's no days off. Take no breaks. You in my lane. You in my way. You cross that line. It ain't your day. I lost my mind.